That's right. So, uh, you know, this was my first week back at work this week, and uh, it took a toll on my body. <laughs> so, uh, and my wife shaking her head, said, I told you to stay at home. <laughs> but I didn't want to stay at home, so I got tired of staying at home. So, um, but I went in to work, and um, yeah, so we'll see how this goes. We're going to continue on what we uh, talked about last week. You know, uh, there are seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. And then, uh, you know, they're vital. They're important because they acknowledge that, that who he is as the Messiah and God. Right. And I don't think I read all I am statements last week. So we talked about I am the bread of life. And we're going to finish that up today, prayerfully. Um, the second one is I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the life. And the last one is I am the true vine. Amen. So we're going to um, finish up on uh, I am the bread of life. And uh, I think we left off in uh, Matthew chapter 15 so but just to summarize you know I talked about the sandwich and then I talked about uh, I gave the story about the the university and then how you know when we have a description of an object we can focus in on that object and then we can miss stuff all around it as, as we saw some things last week and uh, you know I talked about being the top bun which is when Jesus fed the 5,000 and that was Jesus' most notable miracle. And that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And then uh, we, we, we read part of John, and we'll, we'll go back to John here later on today, maybe, <coughs> as the Lord sees fit. But, uh, you know, he crosses over. Well, he sends the disciples over to the other side, and then Jesus walks on water. And then we talked about how that was a representation of, you know, Joshua going across the Jordan. As well as Moses crossing the Red Sea. And, uh, you know, we talked about how that was the same time that Peter came walking on the water. And then, you know, he gets to the other side. And then he has, uh, I guess, a, a spirited discussion with the uh, Pharisees about uh, spiritual purity. And they're saying, you know, what comes from outside of the body into the body is what defiles a person. And the reason why they say that is because, you know, that was part of their law, you know. Uh, so they viewed other nations, you know, the Gentiles, who were, did things opposite that, you know, may not have washed their hands when they, and then for things like that, so where in the Jewish culture at that time, they, they considered that to be uh, defilement. But Jesus was saying, no, that's not what defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth. In other words, what's coming from the heart, right? And then it's interesting that he goes from that point right to coming across the Canaanite woman. And what's significant about that is the Canaanites were spiritual enemies of Israel in the Old Testament, right? They, they were a part of a nation where God told Israel to get rid of them when they went into Canaan. Right. So let's turn to actually let's turn to no, actually let's not go there yet. <laughs> but, you know, they were basically spiritual enemies 
of Israel. So it was unique that Jesus came across not only a Canaanite woman, but well, a Canaanite, but a woman as well. And uh, she was seeking the Lord to have a daughter delivered. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus calls us a dog and we consider that to be an insult. And that's what they were known as to the Israelites back in that time as dogs. So she says, well, you know, she talks about this. She mentions the crumbs and then Jesus calls her faith great. Right. So now let, let's continue on. That brings us to verse 29. So he comes across her entire side on. So now in 29, Jesus departs from there and he. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. So we talked about before how usually when the instructor, the teacher was teaching, he normally sat down. So this gives us an indication that Jesus was teaching, even though they're about to talk about the miracles. Well, Matthew's about to write about the miracles. But, you know, this gives an indication that Jesus is teaching as well. Verse 30, then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. What we learn in Mark is uh, this is called the capitalist. This region here is the capitalist. And what do we know about the capitalist? That was not primary Israeli where you're going to find a lot of Jews there. It's going to be a lot of uh, Gentile population there. Romans, uh, the Greek culture is going to be prominent there. So what is going to be, seem strange to even the 12 disciples that Jesus is going across to minister to the Gentiles right now. And what's miracles is noted here. Well, it's not noted here, but in Mark. The Gospel of Mark, it notes how he heals the, uh, the deaf and the mute person, right? He sticks his fingers in his ears and spits and touches the tongue, and he gets healed. <clears throat> and to also show that this is also Gentile territory, looking at verse 31, the end of 31, they glorified the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. See, where the Jews were looking... Going back to John chapter 6, if we can remember, the Jews were looking for more and more of them. Here the Gentiles are actually glorifying the God of Israel. Right? So now, this brings us next to basically a similar uh, what, what happened with the uh, 5,000. Right? So he's feeding the 4,000. So this, this miracle is only recorded in this, this gospel here in the gospel of Mark. <clears throat> Alright, so verse 32. Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. So this probably gives us an indication that they were fasting during this time. Right. So Jesus looks out and he has compassion on them. Verse 33. Then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. Remember that. And a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled 
and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Verse 38. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. So on the surface, this pretty much looks like the same miracle that Jesus performed with the 5,000. And pretty much it is, except this is Gentiles. Here, this is going to be predominantly Gentiles that he's performing this miracle with. So going back up to verse 34, we're at seven. Now, we got, I wonder what's significant about seven. Because, you know, he's coming towards the Gentiles because in Deuteronomy, keep your finger there, go to Deuteronomy 7, and I believe it's the first verse. All right, we're there. All right, Deuteronomy, beginning at Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it and have cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. Let's go back to uh, Matthew. All right, so seven nations. They, what we just read in Deuteronomy was a representation of the Gentile people, right? So when I say representation of Gentile people, that's including us, right? So Jesus is significant that, that they have seven, seven loaves there because not only is Jesus the bread of life for Israel, but he's the bread of life for the Gentile people, meaning he's the bread of life for all people. Amen. All right, so... Verse 37, <clears throat> so they all ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. So if we remember the 5,000, right, when he fed the 5,000, it was what? 12 baskets, right? One basket for each tribe. Seven large baskets here for each Gentile that was mentioned in, in Deuteronomy. See, so to the Israelites, the Israelites... <laughs> They didn't want nothing to do with the Gentiles, the Canaanites, or anything like that. So what they wanted Jesus to be, and we'll, we'll see in uh, John chapter 6, is they wanted Jesus, as we know, to be king, right? They still wanted, they, they were looking for the prophet that was going to be like Moses and deliver them from pagan culture. And that's what Israel was looking for here, for Jesus to rise up, to be that Messiah, and deliver them from Roman culture. So they wanted to oppress the Gentile people. Jesus said, no, I came for all people. Right? He says, I came for all people. So we as believers today should be for all people. Right? right? So the thing is about the, it says, it mentions here, seven large baskets. So what I did, I'm pretty sure I didn't mention it last week. The 12 baskets they took up were small baskets. Right? And the Greek word, it, it, the Greek words there show us the small baskets. Here are seven large baskets. In other words, the Gentiles outnumber the uh the jewish people right so it's a larger community so now you take those fragments you take that overflow and now you go out and again just like with the israelites you're going out and you and you you're delivering the message you're delivering the message of jesus christ the word to all the nations out there right so jesus said what greater work shall you do to the disciples right not the miracle 
not 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 doing better miracles, but to a greater number. Amen. Right. So that's where. So this is another thing. This this bread, the, these fragments, is a representation of overflow. Right. We don't go and, and minister out of just enough. No, we go minister out of our overflow. So in order to go minister to people, we have to spend time in the word. We have to spend time in his presence. But what we do as Christians, we do just enough. And then we're going out there and then we start ministering and we're empty. All right. So let's go back. Let's go to John chapter six. So I talked about in uh, verse 4 in John chapter 6 about the uh, Passover. See, the Passover story shows that Israelites were delivered from uh, slavery and escaping uh, Egypt, right? So the Passover was a celebration that they had. It was a representation of Israel coming out of Egypt, Egyptian bondage and sustainment. In other words, being fed with bread. So Jesus was a representation of them not coming out of Roman bondage, but the bondage of sin. Right? That's what he was trying to deliver Israel from, as well as the Gentiles. The bondage of sin. Same thing he's delivering us from, the bondage of sin. But they were looking to be delivered from oppressors. And that's why they kept missing it. As we see when we get to uh, uh, this chapter here, 6. Alright, so let's look at, we'll start, I know we left off at verse 40. Let's go with verse 30. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manor in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they were looking for a sign for Jesus, like I mentioned earlier, to be that prophet whom Moses spoke about. Right. The sign that they were looking for was actually the uprising. They wanted the, the, the natural bread, too, but they were looking for the uprising. But Jesus wasn't coming like that. Verse 32. Yeah, verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. Right? You were eating man. Your fathers were eating the man in heaven that perished. They still perished. They ate that bread. Now you can eat this bread and have everlasting life. 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. <clears throat> they didn't see Jesus from a spiritual standpoint. They kept looking at Jesus naturally. We're going to see here shortly. Verse 34. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 36. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. So Jesus is telling them again, I am the bread of life. What kind of life is Jesus trying to give them? Everlasting life. In other words, salvation. Right? He's trying to give them salvation. The people focused on the physical. If you focus, Jesus is saying here in, in verse 36, but I say to you that if you have seen me and yet you do not believe. If you focus in on the physical things, 
Jesus is saying you're not believing. What do we do today in the church? We focus on the physical things, what we can get from the Lord. Jesus is saying you're not believing. Verse 37. <clears throat> Am I going too fast? Okay. Verse 37. All that the Father gives me <coughs> will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last, at, at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So those who come... We have to come through the sheepfold. The father brings them to Jesus. Just like the father brings us to Jesus. <clears throat> what we do sometimes is we want the credit. Right? We want the credit. Well, I led this person. I led this person. No. The father draws them to the Lord. And that's what we have to make. So we get zero credit. But a lot of times we want to take the credit. And the thing is also, once we come to Jesus, if the Father brings us to Jesus, we won't be lost. We won't be lost. See, we think sometimes because we talk about, we, we hear uh, backsliders and things like that. Well, if they're backsliding, did they truly come to the Lord? First John 2.19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Amen. Right? But we focus so much saying, well, yeah, I used to serve the Lord. No. You're either for them and with them or against them. Plain and simple. Now, we have three, <coughs> three types of people that come across Jesus, right? Those that fully accept him, those that fully reject him, and then those that may be seeking him. Right? Such as Nicodemus, right? He was seeking him, but he didn't quite understand. We come across people like that, right? And yes, we, we minister to them. <coughs> and John 10 and 9 says, I am the door. If anyone comes by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. All right, verse 41, as soon as I get a drink of water. Seem to be coughing more today. All right. <clears throat> Verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Again, they see they looking naturally and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless what? The father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. So we are still to share and witness to people. Right. That, that's because we don't know. We, we, we are still to share and witness to people. <clears throat> this is why he says in Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
What we don't do is preach the whole gospel. Right? What we do is we take shortcuts, the ABCs, to evangelism, or soul winning, whatever. But we have to preach the whole gospel. The whole gospel is the word of God. That is the bread of life. And we don't preach the whole gospel. We're giving parts. You know, there's people that I've come across, people that I work with, where I, I sit down and we have discussions about the word. And they get engaged with it. But what we do is we, we do the, uh, the drive-throughs, right? Quick, get this one say, and then the next one. Get this one say, next one. No, no, no. We don't have to do that because the Father draws them, right? So now we don't know what Nicodemus we may come across. And that's how we have to treat them. But we don't treat them like that. We treat them like, hey, get them say, boom, see you. No, we have to give them the whole gospel. So when we give the whole gospel, now we begin to disciple them. Now we spend time with them. But we don't do that no more. Right? Even, not even taking all that aside, even coming into church, we don't spend time with people. Right? We come in, we get the word, praise and worship, see you. Right? We don't, we don't spend time with people. Right? We don't get to know people anymore. No. Jesus was relational. Right? So we got to be relational. But the only time, only way we won't be relational is we think about ourselves. That's when we become selfish. And he doesn't want us to do that. Because Jesus could have been selfish with the Canaanite woman. But he wasn't. Right? He could have been selfish and stayed on the other side of Galilee and not going to Decapolis. But he did. More than one time. Uh, what verse did I leave off at? Verse 45, I think. <coughs> All right, verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Verse 48. Again, he's saying, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. So he is saying that while the manna nourished them, it did not Im impact whether they eventually died or lived forever. Verse 50. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So I know <coughs> that they're having trouble understanding this. And we're going to see even the 12 had trouble understanding what he's saying. But understand this. What he's trying to say is, I'm going to read it again. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So in other words, Jesus equals the living bread of life. Living bread of life equals his flesh. The flesh equals the word. If we want everlasting life, we got to eat of the word. And this is why so many Christians are struggling because we're not eating of the word. We're thinking we have to understand everything. We're not going to understand everything. As we're going to see as we get to the end of this chapter. The, the, the 12 didn't understand everything. But they trusted Jesus. And that's what we have to do. We have to eat of the word. Not take shortcuts. Not preach this quick message and things like But we have to eat of the word of God. 
52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, <coughs> Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. At the last day, excuse me. Verse 55, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats the bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? They thought this was a hard saying. But it was. We're talking about eating our flesh and, and eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Right? But see, we like to follow Jesus when it comes easy for us. We like to follow Jesus when we can get things. They were fine when following Jesus when he was giving them the bread to eat. See, when he was talking about, even in the Beatitudes, about blessed are the poor in spirit, they were okay with that. Right? They were okay with that. But then he adds on, you know, he he later on he talks about rich people. Right? They, we can't follow Jesus based on what we want to follow him by. That's right. We have to be all in with him. Verse 62. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Notice when Jesus noticed that they got offended. He didn't water down the message. He kept, his, he kept the same message. And basically, if you left. You left. Right? Because you have to be all in. Right? We don't change the message to please people. That's right. <clears throat> now, on the surface, you would think Jesus would change the message to please the people, to keep the people there. But he didn't do that. Nope. He kept the same message. And if you leave, you leave. Because those whom the Father draws are going to be the ones that are going to stay. See, because the ones that the Father don't draw, soon as times get hard, soon as you get a sickness, soon as you got a bill that can't get paid, or soon as the church don't give you money to pay a bill, you're, you're leaving. Right? No. Either you're going to stay with Jesus because if you love him, you're going to stay with him through the thick and thin. We don't have to understand everything. We're not going to understand everything. But we have to trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior, as the bread of life. That's right. 
and we can't try to appeal. And see, a lot of times what we do is this in the church. You know, if we don't like something that's going on, we don't understand, we leave. And then we find those who agree with us. And then we form a pseudo community. And then what happens is we start to come in agreement. But there's no power there. There's going to be things missing there. Right? Because we have to stay with Jesus through thick and thin. That's right. right? Because guess what? He could have forsook us. But he did. See, we want Jesus to come to us on our terms. And we have to be careful of that. Because he's not going to come to us on right. our terms. <clears throat> we go to him on his terms. Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then, now, they were just getting ready to crown him earlier in the chapter. As, as, as king to come, <laughs> you know, and rule and overthrow the Roman government. Now, they're walking away. So it tells me they didn't really know Jesus. They didn't really trust him. Then Jesus said to, to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve. So all the twelve <coughs> didn't understand everything. I'm sure they had trouble comprehending eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, much like we would. Right? But they didn't abandon Jesus. They stuck with him. They trusted him. They didn't understand everything. And guess what? Even as we read the word, we may not understand everything. Sometimes we don't understand things and we just give up. And then we go to another form of worship, right? And then we, we try to substitute that by now becoming Holy Spirit-centered, right? But we're supposed to be Word-centered. That keeps us grounded, Amen. right? Because the Holy Spirit is going to bring us in remembrance of the Word, That's right. right? So now we have so many Christians that say, well, I don't understand this. I don't, well, we got to ask. Trust me, there's times I don't understand things. There's times I may be witnessing somebody and I'm like, I don't even know what they're asking me. But I wait. And sometimes I just start talking. Don't even know what's coming out. And then all of a sudden, it starts to roll. It, starts to, all, all of a sudden, it just starts to come. Why? Because I didn't get frustrated. I didn't abandon it. And guess what? They stay engaged. Right? We have to stay engaged. We have to stay in tune with Jesus, which is the word, which is the bread of life. Because if we don't have this word, which is the bread of life, then we won't have everlasting life. We're using so many things to substitute, whether it's lights, camera, action, smoke, all those things. We're looking to usher in the presence of God and we have it in the word. Right. And we're, we're, we're looking. And like I said last week, these signs, these miracles were signs to point to who 
Jesus was, right? God is still in the miracle business, right? But if we're serving him just to get a miracle, then we don't know him. And then guess what? As soon as our needs don't get met, we're going to be just like some of these disciples and we're going to walk with him no more. And it's happening day after day after day, church after church. After church. Because what happens is we get people coming in and we're promising them things. Jesus is going to take care of you. Jesus is going to heal you. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry. We can't make those promises because we're still living in the fallen world. But what we have to do is trust that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus will keep us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Right? But we have to follow him. Even in the midst of us not understanding things. I don't know why this situation is happening. But God, I'm still going to trust you. I don't know why this family member died. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. Right? And all these things happen and other things happen. And we got Christians falling away day by day by day by day. Because they don't know the Lord. The Father did not draw them in. And then we're wondering why they're walking away. Because the Father didn't draw them. Let's not make excuses for people. Right? We have the word. We're going to stand on the word. Plain and simple. Right? The truth hurts. The truth offends. That's what happened here. Jesus was giving them the truth. They wanted the physical things, not just the bread, but Jesus to rule and reign over them right then and there. And if Jesus had done that, then we wouldn't be saved today. And we have to stay with him through thick and thin, regardless of what's going on, regardless of who forsakes him. That's okay. We'll pray for them. Right? Because, you know what? Even though they they may have fallen away, and the father didn't draw them, draw them at that time. He can still draw them back, right. right? But we can't get caught up in that. We can't form these pseudo Christian communities to say, "All right, I'm a." It, it don't take away the sin. It don't take away the sin. Right. See, these things should not be a struggling with us, right? Again, we may not understand. Peter didn't understand everything. Right? But he stayed. Where else are we going to go? That's what we have to say. Right? If we lose house, car, spouse, money, job, whatever, where else are we going to go? See, because the enemy will come to us in our head and say, now, who are you going to serve? But we got to say, where else am I going to go? I'm going to stand with Jesus. I'm going to walk with Jesus. Regardless of what the circumstances look like, I'm going to continue to stay with Jesus. I may not understand everything. I may not understand what you're bringing me through, but I'm going to stand upon the word because that's what's going to keep me. Because too many people are standing on, too many quote-unquote Christians are standing on the wrong thing. They're standing on music and all these things. And not that we can't enjoy those things, but that's not what we're to stand on. It's the word of God, which is the Bible, right? Which is the bread of life, which is Jesus, which is of his flesh. He gave of his flesh, which is his body, which was broken for us. Right? So even as his blood dripped on the cross, we could drink of that blood. 
Right? We can eat of we can eat of his flesh. We understand that now because we see it spiritually. But we can't get caught up in looking at things naturally. And that's what a lot of Christians, especially in this country, are doing. They're looking at things naturally. That goes back to the blessing, blessing, blessing. Mm -mm. That's not what it's about. Whether he blesses us or he doesn't bless us. Because guess what? There are Christians on the other side of the world. They don't have what we have. And they're walking miles just to get to service. Just to, just to fellowship with other believers. We can't get people to drive 30 minutes down the road. Oh, uh, that's too far. Okay. But where are you going? I'm not going nowhere. So we're too far, but then you're still not going anywhere. Even though you got a church right there, you're still not going anywhere. Farther than Jordan. Mm -mm. It's an excuse. And we have too many excuse makers in there. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Amen.